Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. There's no doubt that our project, our life project, is conformity to Christ, becoming a partaker of the divine nature, having Jesus' life reproduced in our own, uh, making sure that his mission is our mission, his destiny our destiny, imitation of Christ. There's all kinds of words that we use, sanctification, but becoming holy, godly, that kind of thing. But people, when they think that way, they often don't think how practical uh, it can be. And I want to make sure that when we talk about discipleship, we're talking about learning. And especially most of us uh, have children, uh, grandchildren, and our home is the domestic church. That's a phrase that's been being used over the last generation. It's always been assumed. Uh, Everybody's always known that Catholic family life is the foundation for a thriving priesthood and for thriving parishes. But uh, I don't know when the fra- where the phrase domestic church came from, but it's a good one. And we've always said you can't have a strong parish church without strong domestic church. It begins at home. With me right now is Karen McClellan. Karen received her master's uh, at Steubenville, and she has uh, also trained in catechesis of the Good Shepherd, uh, she has been for years talking about and thinking about and writing about what might be called liturgical living. And I'm going to let her explain what that means. But it is a very practical way of helping our children begin to identify with the Catholic way of life, with what it means to be a, a, a disciple in one's own generation. And Karen, good to have you back here again. Good to be with you, Al. Thank you so much. This, uh, again, I love what you're, you've been doing on this. We're in Advent, so this is actually a good time to talk about liturgical living. We're kicking off uh, the liturgical year. It's our New Year's period. Um, let's just ask the basic question. What do you mean by liturgical living? By liturgical living, I mean incorporating your life into the life of Christ, into salvation history. And the liturgical year allows us to enter into the story of Christ. You know, people talk about history as his story, but Mm -hmm. it's also our story. And so by living the liturgical year more fully, we are entering into his, the life of Christ. And so from the beginning to the end, so we're in the Advent season, it's preparing for his birth, and we're going to walk all through the life of Christ by the time we get to the Feast of Christ the King next year. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many Catholics are aware of it. I think a lot of listeners to this program are aware that the liturgical year is is a way of representing year after year the, the great moments of salvation history. Right. Uh, but I venture to say that 80% of American Catholics are unaware of that. Yeah, and that's a shame because you'd like to think that there's there's an, an obvious repetition to the cycle and kind of like yeah. your light will go on. But yeah. but very often you need someone to, to turn that light on yeah. in the first place. Yeah, exactly. I even remember in my uh, training for the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, they refer to ordinary time to, for the little ones as the growing time. And so they teach a lot of the parables during the growing time. And if you... If you're aware of that and you're going to Mass through the long season of ordinary time over the summer and into the fall, you know, you go, wow, there's a lot of parables here. And there's there's something for me to learn in the growing time. We're going to grow. And so it it can seem like a dead time. But when you have your radar on, oh, I'm supposed to grow. This isn't – this is special in in its own way. Yeah. You know, it's not special in the way Advent or Lent is. But in its own way, there's still something for us in that. Yeah. So it's just, you know, trying to turn on that light, that little spark. Now, you do this, of course, in your home. 
uh, that's where uh, this begins. The parents are the primary educators. I mean, th- your children are your first disciples. I mean, they're the ones that you're training to be learners of Christ Jesus. Let's talk about what you do in the home to help. Uh, well, I guess we can start with the Advent season. Sure. And Advent is just so rich. And I think that once you get that spark for celebrating the liturgical year, the first risk is to to do too much or to even feel guilty yes. about being inadequate with what you're doing. And and it can be something as simple. I, I just heard in November, I was reading in a, in a new book on the Catholic uh, living the liturgical year. She said, read the Gospel of Luke. There are 24 chapters. Read a chapter a day. Yeah. It can be as simple as that. Again, it's the life of Christ. Um, there, there, are, There's the Jesse tree. There's your Advent wreath. There's a straw in the crib for Jesus. There are so many little things that are accessible regardless of the age of your kids or regardless of your life state. That's another thing that when I've given talks on the liturgical year, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm older or my kids are grown or I'm single. And that that's like saying that Christ doesn't have saving grace for you. You know, I mean, it's it's so it's just different. It's it's not it's not other. You know, it's for everybody. Christ wants all of us to enter more deeply into living out his life in the faith at home. And I think if we only leave it in the church, that's where, you know, that's where the problem is. That's where I think the faith we can no longer. There may have been times maybe the 50s, I don't know, where the faith was effectively passed on in the parishes, in the schools, in the Catholic schools. Um, but it just has not been the case for too long yeah. that, that that it's being effectively lived out and communicated. And and there are so many wonderful writers on the topic. And one of my favorite is Mary Reed Newland. And um, she's got a number of books. Uh, Sophia Institute Press has published several. One of my favorite is The Year and Our Children. She talks about how she wants the Catholic faith lived out in her home so joyfully that her children's friends say, what's different? Mm-hmm. What is it about your mm-hmm. family? What are you celebrating now? You know, right, what's going right, on? Like, right. there's always something, yes, yes. you know, and if you begin to be awake, you know, if you begin to wake up to those opportunities, you go just from birthdays, Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, all of a sudden you've got feast days, you've got baptismal days, you've got all kinds of anniversaries, you've got your parishes. I mean, there are so many things to just celebrate. And mm-hmm. and so true with the Advent season, there are so many feast days in the Advent season right. that just seem unnatural. Oh, we just had St. Nicholas last week. Right, yeah, right. Which always a great, great feast day during Advent. Right. Um, you... You celebrate them. You have great joy with them. When people, as as you know, when people hear um, they have so many these days, they begin to fear that there's too much to do again. Right. I've got birthdays. Uh, I've got uh, other uh, the secular holidays. Um, they're forcing us to celebrate Christmas uh, right after Thanksgiving or even before Thanksgiving. Right. You know? Um, and we have the secular commemoration of things like Black Friday, uh, <laughs> right. which is weird. But but the point the point is, it, it, it you must it, you must avoid getting burdened by this. Right, right. And my kids will be the first ones to tell you that I am imperfect and that my aspirations are always higher than the reality. <laughs> and there are some years you're going to hit it out of the park, and there are other years where you'll wake up the day after and go, oh. You know, I I totally missed that thing that I thought was actually really meaningful to me. And, you know, um, and and it does help to have kids for whom you continue to impart that stuff because they'll remind you like, hey, St. Nicholas Day, Mom. Yes. You know, so you can go out and get that stuff in advance. Yeah. So Uh, something else to keep in mind that I've noticed in my own experience being a father, and that is that often, I don't know how often, but often enough that I've noticed it, 
the, the times that you think you're making the biggest impact isn't so with the kids. I've, I've had moments where I thought this was a incredible lesson. You know, I, yeah. I really got it across. And, you know, years later when we talk, the kids don't remember it at all. Right. And right. they'll bring up something uh, which I hardly remember myself. And they said, that was really important that you did that. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so we, didn't, we don't always know. That's why it's important to just do something. Right. Right. You know, don't don't think you have to have it all down. Right. And you know, <clears throat> we were talking last week and um about about some simple ways to do things that that shouldn't be overwhelming because a lot of things you're already doing. The the most simple is that you're eating every day. So today happens to be um the feast of Our Lady of Loreto. Um she was um uh, it began with her house. Her house was in Nazareth, the house that historically we believe Jesus was um, where the Annunciation happened and where Jesus lived most of his earthly life before he began his public ministry. Um, and uh, in the uh, late 13th century, um, as the Crusades were happening, it was under threat. And so the the legend in the church, and there's been several popes who've promulgated um, docu- documents on it, um, I think it was 1295, the house, her house in Nazareth, was miraculously lifted by four angels and transplanted in Loreto, Italy. You could serve Italian food tonight. You know, something as simple as that. Um, right, a lot of great right. Catholic bloggers use today to build their gingerbread houses. Or even if they don't do it today, when they do, they might take that occasion to share the legend of, of the house, you know, of Our Lady of Loretto. Um, so it's just something like that. If you're already going to build a gingerbread house, tie it to your faith. Yeah. Um, you're you're already going to get a Christmas tree. We get ours on Gadete Sunday because it gives meaning to the feast day of that third Sunday. It gives meaning to joy. Um, I have a lot of friends who will get the tree the first Sunday. They will light it the second Sunday. They might do purple ornaments at some point oh, through Advent. Yeah. Um, so there are ways to still make that incarnational. There's nothing liturgically wrong or right about so many of these things. It's just do something. Yes, that's and, right. And again, you're already going to eat. So maybe you eat something other. You yeah. know, Our Lady of Guadalupe is coming up in two days on, right. on December 12th. 12th. Mm-hmm. Make Mexican hot chocolate, which could be as simple as adding some cinnamon to it and talking about that a fire or yes, something. Yes. It just doesn't have to be over the top, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, you you for years have collected ideas and you've got books that you can talk about. Yes, Let's sir. talk about some people I know there are people listening right now that say, "Okay, okay, I like it. I like it. I can buy a book at least. That's the right. first thing I can do right. and have uh, this way I've got material to work with." Right. And that's a perfect time of year, especially if you know someone who is a newlywed, newly engaged, maybe they just had a baby. There are two books that were just published that are fantastic. They're kind of hot off the presses. They're selling as quickly as they're printing them. Um, one of them is brand new. It's called The Catholic All-Year Compendium, Liturgical Living for Real Life, and the author is Kendra Tierney. That's published by Ignatius Press. Um, Kendra Tierney, for years, has had a great blog, Catholic All-Year, oh. and um, it's marvelous. And she really walks you through the whole liturgical year and what her family does. She's a wife, mother of nine. She said she's a homeschooler and a regular schooler, so kids of different ages are in different you know, <laughs> educational settings. But it's it's she just has um, a wealth of ideas, and she has distilled it into this one book, which is oh my goodness, three hundred and sixty pages. It's fabulous, and it's really accessible. And she will again say, "I'm not doing all this. These are just some things yes, we've that's done." Right. Yeah, you know. And yeah. so you can look at a book that's an inch and a half thick and say, "I, I can't even touch that." But but again, do something, do right. something. Um, so that's a marvelous walk through the year. But I'm most excited. 
about the reprinting of Maria von Trapp's Around the Year with the Von Trapp Family. Which is an old book. It's from 1955. Mm-hmm. That's when it was first published, and that's the only time it's been published. So um, I got my copy years ago off of eBay, and I've just treasured it. And But for Sophia Institute Press to reprint this with her daughter's illustrations, it's just utterly charming. It has songs. It has recipes. It has craft projects. It has ideas. And it just has Maria's naturally joyful, excited, happy sharing. Um, and, oh, yep. Okay, music coming up. We'll come back, pick her up. And uh, she, again, uh, Marie Von Trapp, much more than the sound of music. Oh, my gosh, so much <laughs> We'll come back yes. and talk about that. Uh, my guest is Karen McClellan. We're talking about liturgical living and how in your home this can be, a, a, again, a, great, a joyful way of imparting the faith in very small, uh, hand-manageable portions. Uh, we'll be back. And good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. With me, Karen McClellan, talking about Advent and the liturgical year, or more broadly, liturgical living, and taking advantage of the, really, the, the liturgical year is really a curriculum uh, that the Church has composed, showing us uh, the great events of salvation history, and celebrating the communion of saints. Uh, you, and, and, of course, your home is the place where this should be expressed uh, in some way. Don't want to just heap ah, over uh, too many ideas here, but pick something because there's so many possibilities. By the way, uh, you mentioned domestic church. Uh, Paul VI uses it. Yes, Lumen Gentium. Is that the first reference? That you know, I there may be an early reference, but that that's become the most common in the modern era. It's repeated in Familiaris yeah. Consortio, Pope John Paul II. But even he's referring back, back to, to Pope Paul, Paul VI. VI. Yeah, yeah, right. So I, there are some more, you know, obscure references. Um, but of course, it comes from the early church. Yes, I mean, it's, it was the practice of the right. church from the very beginning. Right. right. The home, the, the early church. One of the virtues of the early church was hospitality, because it was because the church was lived out in the home to begin with. And then, of course, it was as congregations got bigger, you had to go somewhere else. Right. But it begins in the home. Right, right. And we, we should, I'm not sure when it became common, but I think it was fairly, I mean, over hundreds of years probably, uh, the, people began to, to think that the institution of the church was uh, kind of the center for where spiritual growth and development happened, but it's not. It's always been the home where spiritual growth and development happens. We come right. together in a church building for liturgy, right? You know, but if it's not happening at home, it's not going to happen in the building, right? Right. It just it can't be. There can't be such this this divide, this right. dichotomy. Yeah. It it it's got to be the everyday normal living out of the faith. Your home, when people walk in, they should know it's a Catholic home. Yeah. There should be Catholic artwork. You should have your home blessed. I mean. We're coming up. I'm, it's a little bit away, but Epiphany. So a lot of people might know might not have any connection, or what's the relevance, or what do I do with it? Oh, it's the Three Kings, and there are cultures for whom that's the day they give gifts. One thing we do on Epiphany is we do celebrate the th- Three Kings by having our home blessed. And oh. if we can have a priest or a clergy come to our home to do that, fine. If not, the father of the home and the head of the home leads the blessing. Mm-hmm. And you may have seen some people may have seen chalking over doors. Um, and it'll be, uh, the, the year will be the first two numbers of the year and the last two numbers divided by C plus M plus B. And those can have two meanings. It could be the names of the three kings, um, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. Mm-hmm. Or it could be Christus, Mansion, and Benedictat. Um, Christ bless this home. Mm-hmm. And there are wonderful prayers you can find online. 
Um, and you just you walk around your home and, and you sprinkle holy water and you ask God to bless this home, every room. I mean, when we've had our home blessed, our priest goes in the bathroom, they go in the laundry room. You know, you bless every inch of your home and you consecrate it to God and you wrap up by chalking over your door and say, this home is blessed and claimed in the name of Christ. Yeah. And the kids, again, they expect every year we're going to do the house blessing on Epiphany. So it's it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of preparation. Um, you should ideally have your chalk blessed. I remember one year, I um, certain parishes, certain priests might be more aware of that. And one particular year, I didn't have any blessed chalk. I ran to the church on the 6th, and the, the priest who answered the door at the rectory, I explained what I was doing, and he just gave me the funniest look and said, <laughs> for whatever you're going to use this chalk for, I bless it in the name of Christ. And, I mean, he just really did not know. But but what a beautiful thing. We, even, we have invited priests to our home for yeah. that who themselves have not experienced it. Right. And then they can begin to offer, they can bless the chalk and say, hey, we're going to have blessed chalk at, at Mass this weekend if you want to grab some and bring home, you know, for your own house blessing. Yeah. So again, not not earth shattering. But I, I remember we, we lived in Germany for a number of years, and I loved it. I loved, they, they have such a great grasp of their culture as Christians. Sadly, they don't go to church. <laughs> But they observe the liturgical year. They know all their, their feast days. Um, in in the home, in the community, in oh, the public in the, square. Okay, so so yeah, it's, you know? out, it's out publicly. Yeah, but That's I mean, right. they all have so Advent. It's a state rates. church, is that right? It is a state church. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a very unique situation. But but for me as an American, one of the hardest days always was July Fourth, because it's a normal day. My uh, the school year that we were in went through mid July, so the kids mm-hmm. are in school. There's nothing special. I'm a daughter of a veteran. You know, it just, I love the 4th of July. And so being over there, I felt so other. Yes. My life at home, I would like my kids to feel the liturgical year so fully that if they miss it entirely, it's other. There's something, they're so uncomfortable. They're missing something. That's right. Um, It's a high goal. I have no idea how often I'm hitting the mark. Right. But I want them to have that experience of like, but we do this on Epiphany and we do this on even Thanksgiving. You know, we, yeah. we, we have certain, we read proclamations from Abraham Lincoln and George Washington. These are things we do as family to mark, you know, the, the passage of time in our faith, in our life, in our family. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we were talking before the break uh, about how to do these things and make sure you got resources. And we we're talking about Marie von Trapp. Yes. Yeah. In 1955, published the book Around the Year with the Von Trapp family. Right. You've got one of the books from that era. I do. Um, but it's been republished by Sophia. Yep. And uh, for people who don't know Marie Von Trapp or just know her from Julie Andrews' portrayal in Sound of Music, which is a delightful mu- right. movie, um, she really was uh, more th- – you know, that story is told uh, – Sound of Music is told – in the typical American way of kind of liberating oneself from traditions. Right, you right. Know? Um, but Marie von Trapp was a serious Catholic and joyful Catholic. Right, and I think she'd consider herself a Catholic before anything else. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And we all know the story that she uh, entered the convent for some time, and, and there's a lot of truth in the, in the depiction in the movie. But if you read her writings, it's shot full with her faith. And, yes. and she talks about uh, uh, so leaving leaving the convent wasn't an act of distancing herself from her faith. Oh, it was the last thing. It's a matter of finding yeah. her gifts. No, right, yeah. right, and it was a struggle for her to leave. I mean, she she really felt like like she wanted to give herself so fully to God, but she was that open that she left out of obedience. Um, but she talks about when they first came to America, all the kids, um, the priest who was with them as their conductor, and they had four dollars, didn't know English, didn't really have a good plan. 
Um, and, and I mean, she's, she has uh, the story of the Von Trapp family singers is a marvelous recounting of their story of faith. But she said, but what we had was our faith. What we had had were our traditions. And as a, as a musical group, they often traveled during the Advent season. And they would often make their own Advent wreaths. And I don't know that Advent wreaths were that common in the home in the 50s. I don't believe so. So she said, "I don't remember. I, I, yeah. we, I grew up then. We never had them, right? And I don't know that we had one in the seventies. Um, mm-hmm. Later, we did. But she talks about whatever part of the country they were in. They would go out in the woods or in the neighborhoods and the parks, and they would find materials just to make these wreaths. And it just was so natural to them, coming from again a a German culture. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were Austrian, but still that culture where there is so much of the of the trappings of the faith, just not the." The, the faith, you know, mm-hmm. just not the sacramental mm-hmm. life, which is lacking. But she had both. Yeah. She had the deep sacramental life. If you go to Stowe, Vermont today, the Catholic Church in town was her mission. She went to the bishop and said, we need a Catholic Church in town. And she she saw that it was built. She funded it herself. You know, Stowe, just, Vermont. Stowe, Vermont is where the Trapp family lodge is. And okay. it's a marvelous place to visit. Her youngest son and his children run it. Um, and she's buried there. And uh, I'm just a longtime fan. It was just a delight to go there. We went last summer. So you can go there and and um, b- learn about the the Maria von Trapp's legacy. Well, I would like to say that I think you can learn about Maria von Trapp's legacy better through her own writings. Okay, um, you can you can definitely go in the building that she built, see the vision she created, experience the feeling of the Austrian life. It's a beautiful setting. It's a beautiful building. We really felt like we were back in Europe. It was it was just a delightful visit, um, but. Um, yeah. Her, when I shared that I was there because of her books more than her writing, the waiter said Her books more than her more than her more than her movie, I'm sorry. Okay, yeah. yeah. And he said, Oh, are you are you all fans of the movie? I said, Well certainly, but I'm really a fan of all of her writings. She's got a number of books. And the waiter said, Wow, in thirty years, no one's ever said that before. <sighs> and in less than a year, out comes this book. Wow. So I have no idea, wow. you know, little Holy Spirit moment. I couldn't believe when I saw this um, because I, I did speak to her son and her grandchildren, and I brought all of my books there. <laughs> and um, I'm not necessarily a big one for book signing, but I was so excited because I love her, and yeah. I was going back to this place where she is still. And and she just she loved her faith. And did she, they sign up for you? They signed all of them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I the the 1955 version I have actually is signed by Maria von Trapp. Wow. Um, I just got it on eBay, and it was signed by her. So, nice. yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that might be another hope is not bittersweet, but encouragement that um, her own children are not 100 percent on board. And so we're all going to try and give it to God. That's a good. Po- you know, that's actually a good point. And here's a very celebrated figure. Yeah. In uh, you know, popular Catholic history of the last generation. And even as um, as joyful, as enthusiastic as she was, uh, she didn't have uh, you know, she didn't bat. Uh, she didn't bat a thousand. She had children who were full-time missionaries. Yeah. I mean, she did. She she made a tremendous impact on so many people. Um, but if you buy her book, offer up a prayer for her son. He's he's credited as the – he owns the copyright to this version. So say a prayer for him, oh, too. He was, he was a delightful and joyful man, but uh, but not not practicing. Yeah, not practicing the faith. Okay. Yeah. Um, so around the year with the Von Trapp family, and this is, a, again, a, a resource – for learning how to live liturgically in your home? Right. Is that its primary value? Yeah. I mean, she shares the story of what they did, and she shares it with recipes, with um, sheet music is reprinted, uh, with craft ideas. But she walks you through And Mary Reed Newland is another Sophia Institute book, um, The Year in Our Children. She gives you a lot of the background. So if your children say, well, why, why is St. Lucy? Why do we celebrate 
like lights on the face of St. Lucie. She'll walk you through her story. Or we just had St. Barbara on December 4th. She'll walk you through so that if your kids say, well, why or what or who, she gives you a lot of that background. She's from the same era? Mary Reed Newland was a contemporary of Maria Von Trapp. Okay. And I love, if you read M- Mary Reed Newland, she was a total Maria Von Trapp fangirl. She references <laughs> her, you know, I wish I could meet her kind of thing. It's charming. It's charming to read their writings. Yeah. But they they seem to be um, on the cusp of something that that is only now, you know, it's like the fruit of so much of that liturgical living is really um, just busting at the seams right now. There's so many wonderful books and blogs. And um, so, yeah, I would recommend anything by Re- Mary Reed Newland, Maria Von Trapp. And if I can, can I mention one more book? Yeah, by all means. I, we want resources because uh, people want ideas. Yeah, well, yeah. Evelyn Vitz is the wife of yes. Paul Vitz. I know, I know he's I know been Paul. on your program a lot. And Evelyn's been on too, but oh, not recently. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is this is a wonderful book, and I got this early in my marriage. It's called A Continual Feast. It walks you through recipes for the liturgical year, gives you a little bit of background about the why, yeah. um, but just a wonderful variety because I think – you don't have to have grown up in a culture, a Polish culture, a, an Italian culture, a culture that has a lot of traditions, recipes. We always do this. Um, so you don't have to have that to claim it for yourself. And that's what a continual feast does. It's uh, another by Ignatius. So we've got two Ignatius, two Sophia. Um, she she gives you a lot of ideas across cultures around the year. And so try something new. Introduce something. We've been doing a Yule log every year out of uh-huh. her cookbook. Okay. And we do that every year for Christmas. That's our Christmas cake, Christmas dessert yeah. is her Yule log. So it's a wonderful resource, um, accessible recipes, but a lot of cultural variety, which is fun. Uh, again, big stress. Don't think you have to do everything. Right. Pick something that's fun. Right. That's the whole point. Right. Is it's, These are um, relatively easy ways to communicate the faith. And um, I know kids... You know, this is, a lot of people are reluctant to start because they're afraid they're going to get resistance from the kids, okay? And they don't want the kids to resist the faith, so they don't want to. Right. They don't want to tangle, right? 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 Uh, all the, what do you say? Just make it fun. Again, you're gonna you're gonna keep it short. Make yeah, it yeah easy, accessible. Yeah. You know, the the shallow end of the pool. Just go in easy. Again, you're gonna eat. Maybe you pick something that's relevant to the to the ethnicity of the saint of the day. You're going to get a tree anyway. In the car, talk about why we're doing it on this particular day. The Feast of St. Lucy is coming up. Her name means light in Latin. Maybe that's the day you go look at Christmas lights, or maybe yeah. that's the day the lights go on your tree. So gentle, non-threatening, non-pushy, yeah. you know, um, but, but fun. There's supposed to be joy. Ooh, we're out of time. I didn't realize it was that close. <laughs> Great talking with you again. Thank you so uh, we'll much, have, we, You have a domestic church bibliography. Yes. Which we'll have posted on the website. We'll have books in the online bookstore. How do people stay in touch with what you're doing? Um, well, I, I have a blog. It went dry for a couple years while I was house flipping. Um, okay. I've reignited it. It's called catholichomefront.com. 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 Oh. So it's pretty sleepy right now, but I'm, uh, I'm committed to getting back to it. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Al. God bless.